James Luther Adams, um, an American professor at Harvard Divinity School, Andover Newton Theological School, and Meadville Lombard Theological School, and in addition a Unitarian parish minister, was the most influential theologian among American Unitarian Universalists in the 20th century, especially the early 20th century. Um, He was born in 1901, died in 1994, so he was with us for a while. It was at a time when Unitarian Universalism, and well, Unitarian and then Universalist, this merger didn't happen until a little bit later. But both, both, um, both sects, both practices, both religions, um, were moving toward more toward humanism. So we were moving a little bit further away from the Christian roots of, say, Judith Sargent Murray, um, and some other people at that time were used very Christian language, um, used the word God, used the word Lord, and lots of prayer. Um, so we're moving more toward humanism, the use of reason, scientific inquiry, human agency in things that happen to us. Um, you may remember Reverend Carl has preached on things like uh, transcendentalism. Um, this was around the time of the Humanist Manifesto, came a little bit later, so that, that people became a little more central to Unitarianism. And then, of course, in 1961, Unitarians and Universalists merged their organizations, their practices. So they brought the idea of Unitarian as opposed to, say, Trinitarian. Um, so one aspect, God is one aspect, um, and universalism, and all people are saved. There's not a select few. You don't have to behave a certain way. We're all going somewhere good. Kind of that idea. Um, so those two ideas merged. Now, James Luther Adams wrote a lot, as in many people did in that time and place. Um, and he came up with five aspects of religious liberalism that he thought were kind of the core. Um, One of his editors came up with the idea of five smooth stones, so that wasn't specifically um, James Luther Adams' own thing. But think about these. So one stone is religious liberalism depends on the principle that revelation is continuous, so the truth is always coming forth, and it may change. Some new idea, some new scientific theory, some new belief, some new truth may always be revealed. So let's call that stone seeking. We're always seeking for truth. Second, all relations between persons ought ideally to rest on mutual free consent and not on coercion. Thank you. That would be lovely. (laughs) We freely choose to enter into relationship with one another. So... Let's call that one covenant. We freely choose. Third, religious liberalism affirms the moral obligation to direct one's effort toward the establishment of a just and loving community. It is this which makes the role of the prophet central and indispensable in the liberalism. So I kind of boiled that down, like I do with stories, to justice. We seek justice for all people. A fourth stone. We deny the immaculate conception of virtue and affirm the necessity of social incarnation. Or good things don't just happen, people make them happen. So let's call that fourth stone agency. 
specifically human agency. And fifth, liberalism holds that the resources, divine and human, that are available for the achievement of meaningful change justify an attitude of ultimate optimism. So I would like to call that fifth stone hope. So we have hope, agency, seeking, covenant, justice. We could make a sentence out of that. We can make an active sentence out of that. So I'm going to ask you to use your active imaginations for a moment as we think of theology, because who doesn't? So imagine you're holding a smooth stone in your hand. You can probably remember doing that at some point in your life because it fit just so. So imagine you're holding that smooth stone, feel its weight and the contours of that stone Feel as it grows warm in your hand. That's what stones do. What might this stone represent in your Unitarian Universalist faith? Would it represent a threshold to cross into some new way of practice or being or justice work? Is it, is it a talisman? Something you carry with you every day in whatever you do. It is, if it, is it a weight that you need to lift and carry? Might it fit in a sling that could slay a giant? What for you would this small stone best represent in your spiritual journey? I want you to take just one minute each, turn to someone next to you, and tell them what that stone might represent to you. All right? I'll give you a minute for that, and then we'll switch. Don't worry, you have time. All right? Let's move forward a little bit into later 20th century Unitarian and Universalist theology, moving from the idea of salvation of all souls from eternal torment to the salvation of the oppressed or suffering in the here and now. Human beings were agents of their own and others' liberation. Unitarian Universalism at that point, say after 1961, was influenced by liberation theology from the 1970s in Latin America, process theology, more scientific basis, feminist theology, a movement toward more deep and radical inclusion of all people. There were some bumps in the road. Um, some, the film later today uh, will talk a little bit about the black empowerment movement and the walkout from a general assembly when monies had been promised and then abruptly withdrawn. There are times in our history when African-American ministers and congregations were suddenly deprived of any funding or support from, of any kind from the Unitarian Universalist Association overall. 
So there's some hurt. There's some pain. Sometimes we don't hear all the voices the way they ought to be heard. And the thing is, we keep trying. We don't stop. Sometimes when upheaval happens, our current case in point, it's a time to be able to move forward into what we truly want to be, what we truly envision for ourselves as a faith, as we truly envision ourselves working in the world and building the world we dream about. So liberation theology originating as a movement in Latin America as a freedom from oppression of the poor is now a term that include, can include other theologies that have at their core, and this is important, real lived experiences of people and the real needs of communities, especially of those people and communities that have been historically marginalized, whose voices have been shut down, ignored, that kind of thing. And um, there's a wonderful, I can't wait to read this book. I'm hoping it's part of my seminary experience. If not, I'll just read it on my own. Um, Maria Isasi Diaz wrote uh, in her book, Mujerista Theology. In developing a method to do theology that uses religion of grassroots Latinas as its source, Mujerista Theology puts into practice a preferential option for the oppressed. It insists that liberation is not something one person can give another, but that it is a process in which the oppressed are protagonists, participants in creating a reality different from the present oppressive one. Does that sound like anybody loses out? No. Does it sound like some people might get lifted up? Yes. Does it sound a little uncomfortable? Maybe. We don't know what the end will look like. Maybe there will be no end. So, imagine, again, I'm working those imaginary muscles here. Imagine a large conference table surrounded by those big corporate comfy chairs. You know, you can't see anything once you're sitting in the chair except the people across the table from you. Who... In your vision, in your vision of that table, who has a seat at that table? Traditionally, who is sitting there? Are you sitting there? Half of you are probably not sitting at that table. Half of you may not have been invited. Half of you may not have been thought of as being able to have a seat at that table. Who at that table is sitting above the salt, as it were? who's sitting at the high end of that table. You see that one person who's making... Everybody's going, yes, yes, sir, yes. Probably yes, sir. (laughs) Probably yes, sir. Who's missing from the table? Whose feet can't reach the floor? All right, now, dissolve that table. And imagine instead... Big comfy pillows. Maybe a low bench with a little bit of a back to it. Because some of us need that. Maybe in the corner, not too far away, are some blankets and some toys. Right up here, maybe. Anybody? Huh? Okay. Now, who do you picture sitting on one of those comfy pillows? 
or on that low bench with a back, is it you? Is it someone who doesn't look anything like you? Perhaps someone whose life experience is completely different. Whose needs might you hear as you sit on those comfy pillows or on those benches? Are the voices different than what you usually hear? What do they need? What are they asking for? At that moment, rather than asking yourself or telling them what they need, imagine yourself asking them, what do you need? What do you want? Does that picture change the core of our Unitarian Universalist theology? Rather than top-down, we work all together. Maybe not so much grassroots, but maybe. That's sort of our tradition. Not from top-down, from bottom-up, or all together. I believe it actually brings us to what we aspire to be. Inclusive, diverse, radically welcoming. Hold that picture. Comfy pillows and all. Maybe a beanie baby or two. In your heart. And let's sing together, voice still and small. what about the prophetic church? I, I decided I really wanted to look up prophet and prophetic, just to be clear, you know, one to be sure. So the idea of a prophet is someone who can see beyond what's right in front of them, maybe sees into the future, maybe sees a different vision of the future. So a prophetic church would be the one that could see beyond what was happening right now and move toward what they want to be, what that congregation, that church body would like to be? What do they envision for themselves and for the world they're building? Some of the names I think of when I uh, think of Unitarian Universalists and a prophetic church, Rebecca Ann Parker, the former um, president of Star King School for the Ministry out in California, also a minister, Paul Razor, Mark Morrison-Reed, Tandika, Paula Cole-Jones, someone who may be coming to speak here with us. Um, The group called of black lives of you you blue religious educators i have to include those in there a trio of religious educators was the team that put together all the materials for the uu white supremacy teaching let's think about maybe that eighth principle that's being talked about um and i'm not sure if i have the text for that i think i do um and just yesterday There was a vote that will kind of put this in in process to change the wording of the first principle. So it says the inherent worth and dignity of all beings. All right, so that's a possibility. We'll have a year to talk about it now because we voted to do that. 
I'm trying to think of what else I was going to say. The, um, there was another vote that happened yesterday in our sources to change the word from the prophetic words and deeds of men and women to the prophetic words and deeds of people. I want you to think about that change for just a moment. From men and women to people. That's prophetic. (laughs) Ann Jones Principe, a religious educator, community minister, and for me, a prophetic voice. She asked the most amazing questions. The kind that make you say, this face. If the focus, and she asked, she was posting a series of questions on her Facebook page the other day, so this is one of them. If the focus of Unitarian Universalism or the Unitarian Universalist Association overall was to be on our children, on the children, what would change about staffing attitudes and delivery of services? What would change? Maybe we have Sunday mornings look a little different. Maybe up here in the corner, there are some toys and some pillows. Maybe it's a little louder in here. Interesting question. I want to ponder that one for a while. Write about that. Prophetic. Adding an eighth principle. At the moment, the proposed language for an eighth principle is we, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote, which is the language we use already, journeying towards spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. I know. Does that leave you out of it? No. That puts you, each one of you, and me, and all of us, in the hot seat, really, to dismantle racism within ourselves, dismantle other oppressions within ourselves. That is hard work, and it is uncomfortable for a lot of us. And you know what? That's okay. Because we can be uncomfortable together. Last night was the Ware Lecture, one of the, the highlights of a General Assembly. We usually have a nationally known speaker. Brian Stevenson, whose name you may know, he wrote the book Just Mercy, which is a common read for the Unitarian Universalist Association, was the speaker last night. Someone wrote down four things that she had lifted out of his speech One is to stay hopeful as you're doing the work of erasing, erasing, yeah, let's get rid of it, oppressions. To get proximate, I love that phrase, he uses that a lot, get proximate, get out of your own comfort zone, out of your own building, out of your own place, and go where the people are. Change the narrative. Change the narrative that a thief is always a thief, always a thief. As Brian Stevenson likes to say, we believe that you are better than the worst thing you have ever done. And this, this is where I got this, so 
full credit to Brian Stevenson on this one, be willing to be uncomfortable. It will be all right. Perhaps the most prophetic thing any one of us can do is to live our lives, live our faith in such a way that no one doubts we are Unitarian Universalists. No one doubts we are the Unitarian Universalists we envision ourselves to be, more importantly. What if we all live that together? What if every person in this room, every person in this congregation lived their lives so that when it comes time to put an epitaph somewhere, you don't need one. What if our children and our young people were witness to that living? What if they were? Hmm. What if they were? Blessed be.